0: This is the Cultural Quarter of an Hour podcast and I'm Charlotte Foster. Every week we'll be looking at the culture all around Stoke-on-Trent and North Staffordshire. Some weeks I'll be visiting events, others I'll be hearing the stories of the people who make this area what it is. Now, when you think of culture, you might just think of dusty museums, art galleries full of paintings or people in ball gowns playing violins. But actually, it's so much more than that. It's all around us. Welcome to this week's podcast and welcome to Liverpool. I know it's not quite Stoke-on-Trent or indeed North Staffordshire, but it is an important city when it comes to culture and plays a part in the cultural journey that our city and surrounding area is going on. The UK City of Culture came about to make sure that the country could build on the success of Liverpool's year as European Capital of Culture back in 2008. So I've been to speak to Claire McColgan. She is Liverpool City Council's Director of Culture. And I began by asking her if it feels like almost a decade since the Capital of Culture year began.
1: But in some ways it feels like a breath away and then in other ways it feels like it was 100 years ago. You know, the city's changed so much since then. But it was a real moment in time, I think, because the city had been on um, a decline for, for a long period of time, especially during the late 80s and early, and early 90s, and it, that was kind of probably when it hit its peak bottom. And we decided to bid for European Capital of Culture in 2000, in 2000 and it was seen really as a way of bringing the whole city together through quite... Challenging, quite dark times, as the city itself was getting itself sorted. So, to win it was a surprise. You know, the bid was fantastic, and we did some. We did very different things with the bid than other cities did. You know, we involved communities from the very word go. It was very much about changing the perception, the image, and therefore the future of the city. Um, but the people were completely behind it, and and that that's done all the time now but at that point in time it wasn't you know people saw it very much as a marketing initiative rather than something that could completely transform a city and then we went through the usual things that most cities do with capital of culture ups and downs and then we delivered 2008 and it's a real moment in the city's history where you saw the whole place change and you know, Phil Redmond always talks about the city's shoulders relaxed, and I think that's a very good analogy. And it felt like suddenly the city was holding its head higher, um, and we were looked at for something good rather than for things that weren't good. And that, it was incredibly positive year for the city. But what's been better, I think, personally, has been what we've done since then, which is build on that success and not just go, marvellous, you know, let's move on.
0: How did you get the people of the city behind the bid, and then once you've won the bid, behind the whole plans?
1: Well, behind the bid was really interesting because Bob Scott, who led our bid, um, was Manchester, actually. You know, he'd done the Commonwealth Games and Olympics in Manchester, so it was a really brave choice to bring him in. And he wasn't a scouser. You know, he's very London, very posh, and absolutely fantastic. And he drove this bid through um, with a force of nature that that, that very few people can match. But what he did do, we were a very small bid team. So I worked in Speak and Dingle at the time, and we'd been part of what was called then um, and everything goes around in circles doesn't it they were single regeneration budgets and places so in speak Garston, we worked with the development company and the speak Garston partnership to put culture at the heart of that development and we did some really amazing things and the guy who was in charge of regeneration in the city at the time charlie parker brought me in to do brought me in with bob to do the bid the capital of culture bid so all that energy and thinking around communities first Actually, arts organisations second, because it's not about taking the Philharmonic out to speak to do a marvellous concert. It's what the people who speak want the Phil- Philharmonic to do with them to improve their area, and we changed that whole narrative around. So, we did a load of you know really brilliant marketing things. We did a thing called Bottle of Culture, where you know two thousand and eight people filled sweet bottles with their idea of their culture, you know what culture meant to them, showed it at one of the museums in the city centre, but loads of kind of great marketing stuff. But also a load of projects we spent a lot of money on projects that challenged this city's image so quite um, you know which could have gone one way or the other we did projects around car crime because at that point in the in the you know the early part of the century Liverpool was had a re- reputation around car crime you know exactly the same as other cities but Liverpool's reputation was worse Um and we did a project called Drive and Ambition, which was working in particular areas which have been affected by it, with kids who've been affected by it. And we took the judges out to see that. So we didn't keep them in the city centre showing them nice posters and gorgeous buildings. You know, we took them out to neighbourhoods and said, look, this is why this bid for us will make a difference. It will make a difference because we can use culture and what the arts can do to completely transform the way that we live as a city. And we will commit to doing that. And no other city... that." everyone does it now, but at that point in time no other city had made that commitment and so, you know the view was that the people won the bid and it felt like the whole, you know, it just felt when you lived here during the bidding time it was amazing because you can't forget where Liverpool was at that point, you know, it had been not nice here and suddenly there was something really positive to look forward to and the whole city was talking about it the whole city was behind it, no one really knew what it was because it's not like a Commonwealth Games or an Olympics or a you know, where you, can, where you know you start there and you finish there, capital culture, or whatever you make them. But we just knew we want, you know, the people of the city just knew they wanted it. And the judges felt that, really felt it when they came. And that's the reason they gave gave why we won, which of course I'm very proud of. But I actually think there was probably more, you know, it was just after foot and mouth disease. i hit the country. You know, if you're thinking about tourism, Liverpool, has got an international reputation that other cities just don't have. And international tourism, I think, was, was probably one of the reasons as well. But we did a good bid, you know, and we never expected to win at all, in any way, to the point where all the national media had gone to Newcastle. And they were t- ITV were turned around because DCMS realised that there was no one in Liverpool. So we hadn't expected to win, but we'd done a really great bid... And we were really proud of what the bid had done, and what a whole ethos around the bid was that even if we didn't win, we've changed the way the city will work.
0: I'll be honest; I was working in Newcastle at the ah. time, <laughs> and we were all waiting to hear that Newcastle Gateshead had got it, and we were all stunned. Not, I don't know if it was, it was an arrogance; it was just that was that was the narrative that was that was written ahead. When you heard the news, how
1: did you feel? personally, I think I was nearly sick. I think it was just because we just hadn't expected it. So we'd all been up all night, you know, and it meant so much to us because we were a very small bid team. Um, but it had been your life, so bids take over your life. And we hadn't done the thing of bringing in loads of consultants. You know, we'd done it very much from the city. Um, and it was it was probably... I mean, I'm not a football fan. I think probably people equate it to winning a very big... You know, being there when Liverpool brought a trophy home or something. It For me, I'd never... I've, I'm not a football fan, but I think it's that moment where it's just... It was just... I've never experienced anything quite like it. It was amazing. It was amazing. And it, the whole day passed in a complete dream. But, of course, we had no plans because we hadn't expected to win. <laughs> so we went back to the office and then flowers started arriving and, there was there you know, there was only a few of us. And it was just... because we just hadn't planned to win. We planned not to win. So we had to organise a party in like 10 minutes and um, I think the guy from New... You know, Bob Scott always tells the story of the guy from Newcastle sending his plane over, saying, you know, we've got a plane, saying we did it, we don't need it anymore. So he always tells that story. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a great story. And um, we just had a great... We had a fantastic party. But then the next day, the expectation was so massive... And we weren't ready for that. How did you then go
0: from getting the title to delivering the goods?
1: Through hell. Because <laughs> <laughs> we weren't ready. You know, we, we hadn't planned to win. So we had then very quickly to... And I think that's what happens. You know, I've done a lot of work now in other European cities and cities who who do these things. And it's similar everywhere, actually, where you win something with a very strong bid team and then suddenly you think you need a whole other team to deliver something, you know. And you do need external support. You know, we couldn't have done it without some of the people that were brought in, but we went too far with it, I think. And um, we went to a culture company. We started to develop things. We, we employed probably the wrong people um, with the wrong skills to do it. And instead of just saying, right, we're going to take a year to get everything right and to, to, to and it, the hindsight's a fantastic thing, isn't it? We went full throttle at delivering themed years, you know, to trying to deliver themed years while trying to think about 2008. No one really knew what a capital of culture was. So the expectations were massive around it. And we went through quite a lot of, we didn't talk to anyone. We sort of closed down. So from being very communicative, we just stopped communicating. So the press, of course, you know, when there's a vacuum of stories, we'll start to, you know, make mischief and, and start to dig on stuff. And we didn't help ourselves by probably feeding them quite a lot of, you know, things that were going on with, with staff and all of that. And we went, we went through a proper theatre show. It wasn't, you know, the the artistic director walked off, so did half the cast. They were replaced. You know, but at the end of the day, Fiona Gasper, who worked with the programme with myself, you know, we we ended up as executive producers for 2008, but the programme that the city put together, the arts organisations, the international artists that that, that kind of worked with us, was fantastic. And that was the strength of it all. So everyone was kind of railing round us, and it was all falling apart. But we were always... The reason why we stayed through all of that and were committed to it is because we knew what it would achieve, but also we both knew the programme was stunning. And it had that brilliant mixture. And in a city like Liverpool that was quite insular-looking then, and it was about, you know, well, we could do that, rather than actually there are brilliant people out there who can give you a different way of doing... It opened up Liverpool completely, as it's always been an open city, but it had gone into itself. And in 2008, you know, it was just full of the most incredible work huge international names, mixed with local names, mixed with community organisations. It was wonderful. But it wasn't the best experience in the world in the bit in the middle. Bid brilliant, delivering it brilliant, the bit in the middle, hell. <laughs> How
0: did you feel on New Year's Eve 2008? So 2007 into 2008, everyone's there, glass of champagne, it's midnight. What were you thinking? Well,
1: we'd stopped drinking because, um, <laughs> because it was all so awful. <laughs> So we did we hadn't got anything on New Year's Eve, so the, the the cathedral put a service on. So we had a quite a religious start to the year, you know, in and then we did fireworks off the roof of the cathedral, but the fireworks were quite vicious. So we were putting fireworks out <laughs> on the evening, which was a very um start, great start to the year. But the actual start for the year for me was when the BBC did um the Nativity just before Christmas and Fiona and I stood there and we'd been You know, it hadn't been a lovely time doing Capital of Culture. It really hadn't. It was really, really, really hard and quite vicious. And we stood there and watched the BBC's Nativity. And we both went... Well, Fiona said, tick. And it's the first tick that we'd had. We didn't turn a prize before as well. I can't remember. But the Nativity was the moment I remember where Fiona just went, tick. And we both just stood there and went, oh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. (laughs) And I think it was that moment, actually more than New Year's Eve, because we opened the Capital of Culture year on the 12th of... um, We did two openings, of course, because it wasn't enough work just to do one. Um, So we did two openings for the Capital of Culture year in January, but New Year's Eve was a beautiful spectacle and great, but our heads were on the opening.
0: And then throughout the year, I think it just grew and grew, didn't
1: it? Yeah, it snowballed. I mean, the opening was a big deal for us because we'd never done an event that scale. And um, I'd I'd certainly never done an event that scale, and I produced it, and it was probably the toughest thing that I've ever done because there was so much riding on it you know if you don't open well you've got you'll never you'll never ever pick it back and we were doing an outdoor event in the middle of January in Liverpool um, which anyone who knows this city knows I mean gosh but what was quite interesting about it was um, we had Ringo Starr on the roof we had it was brilliant and we had Niles James who's the most brilliant artistic director working with Jane Casey who's like a real kind of local kind of star and it was brilliant learning experience but also Liverpool, is you learn you kind of start to understand your audiences a lot more, so Liverpool never turns up to something until really late on, so I remember at half six, I did Northwest tonight and I remember standing there at half six, we hadn't slept for about a week and it was, all, oh it's all going to be great and I looked around and there's no one there <laughs> there's nobody <laughs> in St George's Plateau, so I said to her Phil, they're not, we've done all this work and they're not going to turn up and we'd had to work overnight because the weather was so terrible the night before that we couldn't um, do any of the lighting or anything like that and Phil just went, it'll be all right. I was like, there's no one here. We've done all this work. And no one's coming. And then literally 10 minutes later, the square, we had to start early because it was too full. So it was just, it was just the most, it was an amazing moment. It was amazing. I mean, you don't enjoy it when you've done it yourself because you're just terrified something's going to go wrong. So I didn't take any joy from it. But now hearing about other people's experiences of being in it. So I heard something with Janice Long on BBC Merseyside, but I was just coming in to work. And she talked about being one of the people who came out of the... We had a big cargo container, like a shipping container. And she came and she was talking about what the atmosphere was like backstage. Of course, I didn't see that. So that's really lovely when people tell you what it felt like to be in it. And also people's memories of it. It's the first time we, people suddenly went, this is going to be absolutely fantastic. And then the next day we opened the arena. So we went from that to fixing toilets in the arena at 12 o'clock. And at 12 o'clock the next day, the arena had a complete blackout and all the electricity went. Smoke alarm kept going off in both St George's Hall and the arena. So the arena wasn't ready. We were sticking, you know, what you end up doing. We were sticking numbers on seats at seven, o'clock, just before it started. But we sat, we did the arena show and I was sitting behind the journalist kind of quarter and one journalist said, "There's a bit. there was a bit at the beginning that was a joke, which was basically loads of people in building outfits because people will remember that it was a big dig here the year before, so... The whole city was dug up and in kind of, you know, dressed as actors, dressed as builders, kind of tapping this sign that said Liverpool and then it kind of went out and it just said poo and then it went back on it. It was funny, you know. And then the build and then, but this guy in front of me, I don't know which paper he worked for, went, I knew they just wouldn't get it together. And I just thought, <laughs> you just, just. And that's what you get in this city. You know, There is there was that sense of 2008 that we're going to prove it and we're going to absolutely prove it. And then, of course, the actors fell off the sign and it, they were acrobats and it all was marvellous and he was must have felt very embarrassed, but I don't suppose he thought anyone heard him. But that always really got me about Liverpool, that there was this sense of failure and that people waiting for us to fail and a load of people who love this city wanting it to succeed, but there was a certain undercurrent who just wanted Liverpool to fall, you know, and that's, when you're fighting against that, that's really, really, really tough.
0: Yeah. And there is more to come as well because next week we'll be hearing about the legacy of 2008 on Liverpool. So yes, it's a two-parter. Don't forget, we've got our very own website now, www.cqhpod.co.uk. You can find uh, blogs and all the episodes on there. Also, we're on Twitter and Facebook still, at CQHpod is for Twitter and Cultural Quarter of an Hour is where you'll find us on Facebook. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and download the podcast every Wednesday.